Come on, let's put our hands together for him this morning. Acknowledge his rule and his reign in your life. Lord, we lift you, Jesus. We lift your name, God. A strong tower in which we put our faith. Yeah, we bless you, Lord. We bless you, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Man, there's some powerful things that go on on a Sunday morning in this school, isn't there? Why don't you take your seat? And to think you were contemplating coming or not this morning, eh? Honestly, do you believe that? The name of Jesus can break every chain, hold us back. The devil is quite proactive. The enemy that we are up against, even the enemy of our flesh, is always doing something. He seems to never tire from attack. But at the name of Jesus, we, we conquer him every time. At the name of Jesus, we rise above, don't we? Um, I was talking to someone the other day, I think it was right here, and uh, about being nervous before preaching. And um, it's not, you know, I, I've said that recently, I feel nervous, and I feel a bit like that this morning, but it's not nervous. I think it's, I think it's um, an expectation of uh, the presence of God and the Spirit of God in our midst, and, and um, bringing His words as I've sat and prepared and thought about them, and some, some parts not even understood why, you know, I'm to, to share some certain thoughts, but to... Then, then the um, the God side of it kicks in, and you know it's not about me, but there's people going through certain things that need need to be spoken certain words over their lives, so they'll trigger breakthrough and they'll go further and deep in about speaking. I know you all love me so much that I'm not nervous speaking in front of you. Thank you, Gadget. Feeling it, feeling the love. Last week, did you enjoy last week? I had so many people come up to me last week. Gee, you preached well this morning. That was last week. And all I did was pat you all on the back. And uh, it feels good, doesn't it, to be encouraged? And, uh, but the, the, the point of last week's message was that we need to uh, encourage ourselves in the Lord. David encouraged himself and strengthened himself in the Lord. And uh, there comes a point in our time where we can rely on the everybody else's encouragement and, and good, good words, but to, to find that ability of rising and uh, with our own words over ourselves, quite powerful. And uh, we looked at that last week. But um, So we, we, we started off with Paul, how he wrote to Timothy, and he encouraged him, and then he, and then he told Timothy, but you've got to stir yourself up in the gifts that God has for you. Remember that? And uh, it goes on in the next chapter uh, into speaking about being a soldier for Christ. Like, you know, he said, come on, you can do it, Timothy. You're awesome. You've got a great heritage. I believe in you. The, the power of God is on your life. But you've got to stir yourself up 
And he speaks like that for a little while. And then he goes into chapter 2 of being a soldier for Christ. Like there's, there's always something more with God in there. There's always another step. And that's what I'm going to look at this morning, that there's always another step. Last week we looked at celebrating the stages, but who knows that there's always another stage to come to and to conquer. And God in the story of creation after each day stopped and said, he to celebrate this light that I've just created. But he knew there was a day two coming that was going to require him to step up to the plate again. And he did, and he created again. And at the end of the day, he was, ah, oh, that is good. I'm going to celebrate in this moment. But he knew day three was coming. There was more creation to be done. And he celebrated and, then, and just went on and on till he got to the seventh day when he just rested and took it all in. But there's always something more to do. And I thought this very fitting message this morning on Mother. There's always something like, I, I had a, quite a busy week this week, right? And work-wise. So I, was, I did longer hours than I normally would. And I was, I was coming home later than normal. And as a result, by the time Saturday came, I just needed that little bit extra lie-in. You know, who knows what I'm talking about? And on Saturday morning, you just, you know, your mace knows. You just, you just need that time. I tried to set up a meeting with you. And, uh, uh, and you just need that little extra bit of sleeping time. Well, I found that while I was sleeping in, just for an extra hour, she was doing it up at her normal time, and she still had a lot of things to do. Even with crutches, she was doing a lot of things. And I was, it blew my mind. The, uh, it was just a reminder, really, of, of how much women and mothers just constantly, constantly do. If they just stopped for one moment, everything would seem to fall apart. They just keep going and keep going. So I thought a fitting service, a fitting topic for this service, that there's always something more in God. There's always a day two of creation and a day three. In your life, whatever you have been used by God for, there's another day for you to create. You with me? You think that you've, you've lived in the... The, you know, the, the will of God for the purpose on your life and you, you've done it, you've accomplished it and you feel satisfied in that, good, that's a good feeling. Declare over your life that it is good, but don't stop there. There's another day. There's another day God has for us. There is more. The illustration I'm going to, uh, that's the illustration, the scripture I'm going to use this morning to highlight this is found in 2 Kings. I'm going to give you a moment to get there if you've got your Bible. If you're lazy and don't bring it to church because you know we put it up on the screen there, just sit tight. Second Kings chapter, uh, I'm going to start chapter 13. This is a classic chapter where everybody's name starts with a J and every place starts with a J. So please forgive me if I pronounce some of these names wrong. And they are very similar. I don't know how they coped with it. Very similar. Well, I'm going to read from verse 1 just to give you a little bit of background. Jehoahaz began to rule over Israel in the 23rd year of King Joash's reign in Judah. There's four already. He reigned in Samaria 17 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He followed the example of Jeroboam. There's another J. Followed his example, continuing to sin, continuing the sins that Jeroboam had led Israel to commit. So the Lord was very angry with Israel, 
And he allowed King Hazael of Aram and his son Ben-Hadid to defeat them repeatedly. I'm, I'm building a little bit of context here this morning. Then Jehoahaz prayed to the Lord's prayed for the Lord's help, and the Lord heard oppressing Israel. And verse six, but they continued to sin. Fascinating, isn't it? They continued to sin, even though the God had heard them. Following the evil example of Jeroboam, they also allowed Asherah poles in Samaria to remain standing. Let's skip forward to Second Kings. Chapter 13, Jehoash, this is another king, only a couple of letters different, but this is the next king that we read after Jehoahaz. We are now reading about Jehoash. Jehoash, in verse 10, son of Jehoahaz, began to rule over Israel in the 37th year of King Jehoash's reign in Judah. He reigned in Samaria 16 years, but he did what was evil in the Lord's sight. led Israel to commit from the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nabat, had led Israel to commit. Second king, second generation of not turning things around. You with me? You got the context. Now, Elisha, this is in the day of Elisha. This is in the day where Elisha was the prophet, the man of God. We can read it and, and picture him as God in the earth, God's voice in the earth. When Elisha was in his last illness, this is verse 14, King Jehoash of Israel visited him. This is the second generation of Jehoz. King Jehoash of Israel visited him and wept over him. My father, my father. I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel, he cried. Elisha told him, get a bow and some, ar and some arrows. Some of you have heard this story. And the king did as he was to hands on the king's hands. He commanded, open the eastern windows. And he opened it. Then he said, shoot. So he shot the arrow. Elisha proclaimed, this is the Lord's arrow an army of victory over Aram. For you will completely conquer the, Aramean, the Aramians at Afak. Then he said, Now pick up the other arrows and strike them against the ground. So the king picked them up and struck the ground three times. Times, he exclaimed. Then you would have beaten Aram until it was entirely destroyed. Now you will be victorious only the three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. Big story. We take a little bit of time to pull this apart a little bit this morning. So the background of King Joash, second generation, uh, a very similar uh, king of ruling, not godly, but we see in this story that he has some level of faith in God. He has some honor of God's man, Elisha, in the earth. He's a right way. There is a God. He, he understands and he trusts that there 
is the right way. There is a God and there is a way he should be leading. And we see him come to Elisha and he cries and he's, my father, my father. I, I, I see the chariots and the charioteers of Israel gathered. In other words, he's, he's saying, I feel it's a time of war for our nation. And I've come to you as the voice of God, which they always used to do. Whenever there was a war, come and see what God had to say. Should we fight or should we not? And he did that. So to some degree, even though he'd lived a life away from God, when the times got tough and the battles came, he came to God and he cried, my father, my father, what should I do? It's interesting how people turn to God in the tough times, isn't it? You know, as much as we try to avoid the tough times in people's lives, they're often the times that people turn to God. Anyway, you've got to also understand in this story what the arrows represent. First arrow shot out the window, other ones he struck the ground with. The arrows in the Bible typically would represent uh, somebody's gifts and abilities, what they possess, what they have at their disposal. Uh, The scriptures in the Bible that talks about uh, children being arrows in a quiver. You know that scripture says... um, um, Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of arrows, speaking of children, and and just anything that is, uh, you know, under your ability, under your covering, is your arrows. But interesting, as we read on, that he gets him to do two things with his arrows. The window doesn't talk about where it lands. It doesn't talk about where it goes. But just this sense of God's hands coming over this man's hands, this king's hands, taking one of the king's arrows, shooting it out into the unknown, speaks to me of how in life, sometimes we just need to not know where something's going to land. We just need to be willing to give it over to God. We just need to open up the window and say, all right, God, I trust you in this. Feel his hands coming around your bow and your arrow and just let it fly. Not knowing where it's going to land, not knowing where it's going to do. That was the first thing he asked him to do. Let it go and try and control the outcome. I want to shoot one of your arrows. That's the first thing. But the second thing, and this is, this is my point that I wanted to get to this morning. This is where I want to spend the last five minutes is, what did he do with the rest of his, his arrows? It says, take your, the rest of your arrows and strike the ground. So the first one he let go of is out of control, out of his own control. But then God, through Elisha, then God tells this king, take the other arrows and strike the ground. And so he did. He took those arrows and he struck the ground three times as if to say, okay, what now? And I don't know how many times I would have struck the ground. I don't know how many times you would have struck the ground. He didn't necessarily say, keep striking the ground, did he? It's a little bit of a confusing story there. He's like he didn't know all of the, the requirements to this little test. But he said, strike the ground. So he struck it three times and he said, that's a shame. You stopped. Why did you stop? I never said stop. 
keep striking the ground. Interestingly enough, he struck the ground three times, said, you're only going to win over this Moabat nation three times. And you follow the rest of the journey of Israel, and they are constantly, I wonder how much of their history up until this point comes from this scripture, where this king of the time who was given the instruction of the Lord, but stopped partway through. What would have happened if he kept striking? What about what would we see these days in Israel now even, thousands of years later, if he had kept on striking? Because the victory was determined. Interesting, isn't it? Here's my point to you this morning. This is what I want to hit home inside you this morning. Keep striking your ground. God has many, many victories in store for you. So don't stop striking the ground. I'm speaking a little bit cryptically this morning, but sorry, I do that. In your life, you need to interpret this into your world this morning. What areas have you struck and, you know, put your arrows away when there is more striking to do because there's more victories to be won? In your world. Interesting, isn't it? Are you still with me? And this is where we're going to illustrate now. I'm coming to the end. John chapter 8, verse 31. John chapter 8, verse 31, 36. It says this. Jesus said to the people who believed in him, You are truly my disciples if you remain faithful to my teachings. And you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Their reply, but we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves to anyone. What do you mean we'll be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has sins is a slave to sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is part of the family Forever. So if the Son sets you free, finish it for me, you're free indeed. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free, the NLT says. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If the Son sets you free, you are truly free. If the sun sets you free, you are truly free. Now, we've got to hear this over and over because a bunch of you are like, come on, Garen, we got it. But we don't get it because if the sun has set you free, you are free indeed. And we restrict the power of the gospel in our life because we think that the Son has only set us free from our sins. We think that, with me, come on, I'm starting to preach now, you've got to get excited. Yet, if we take this story of Elisha and said, oh, if you only knew what would happen if you kept striking that ground, if you would have discovered freedoms and breakthroughs and victories in your life that you do not know of, similar to the, the, the speech that Jesus gave the woman at the well, oh, lady, if you only knew. Are you with me this morning? 
And I'm laboring this point because I really hate to see Christians bound. I really hate to see people that have received Jesus. Every spiritual blessing. We've looked at that the last few weeks. It gets to me when people who have received every spiritual blessing are not living in full freedom, not living free indeed, truly free in all areas of our life, not just sinful areas, but all areas of our life, in our, you know, and our wealth. In, in our thinking, you know, in, in our bondages, in our, our, our things that hold us back in life. Not just the spiritual things, come on. He set us free indeed. I can't do, I can't do any better than that. There is, in taking God's words, in taking Jesus' words and changing them slightly for this illustration, there is a level of freedom that you know not of. That he has already bought bought with a price. There's no more buying to be done. There's no more work to be done. All it is is claiming what is yours by continuing to strike the ground and receiving victories over so many areas in your life that you thought, even though you're a Christian, you're going to struggle with this area. There's an area in your life that you thought, I just can't shake this. This is just the thorn in my flesh. And we say that that like it's some biblical, you know, right. But he has set us free indeed, and we have received every spiritual blessing. In our life, might be your marriage. Struck the ground of your marriage. He set you free. Struck the ground over that that hard relationship with you that you have with someone where you're always coming up against them and you can't see that there's light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe it's a reoccurring sickness in your life and you just have settled with the fact that things aren't going to change that, yeah, you're reasonable to think like that. But there's nothing reasonable in the kingdom of God. It's not a reasonable kingdom. If it was, if everything was justified, you wouldn't be in it because we haven't earned our way in it. So keep your options open to what maybe could be by striking the ground again and again in whichever area it is. You want to see complete victory. Might have the music team up. I'm looking at my notes, but there's nothing left. We've read it all. I think, I think this is, 
why I get that nervous feeling. I think this is why I get that, you know, something's going to happen sort of feeling. If you don't want to come to a church where every time you come, you're in, impacted and, and you encounter the presence of God and he puts your, his finger on something in your life, if you don't want that kind of church, this might not be your church. Because honestly, I am desperate to seeing, I've heard this is somebody else's line, the lost found and the found crowned. That's not mine, so don't quote me on that. But to see Christians being set free from areas that they thought they could never be freed from, like the power of God was only limited to certain issues in your life. And it's not true. And I'm laboring the point this morning because it has to break in all of our minds. It has to break. We have to be open to the impossible because he's an impossible God. He's the God of the impossible. Celebrating the stages that we looked at last week. Celebrating the triumphs in your life. Celebrating the it is good moments, the God is good moments is key in there, stopping for another day of creating. You're positioning yourself again for another opportunity of God breaking into your world again. A friend of mine always used to say, every time you thank God for something, you're asking Him to do it again. And it's true. That's why we always need to stop and thank God. It's that attitude of gratefulness, thanksgiving, He's not just giving him something he deserves, but he's excited because it's setting you up again for another position of breakthrough and victory. There's so many victories to be had in your life and in my life. Some of those victories we won't get until we're on our deathbed. You know, we don't, we don't experience them all right now. They're available, but sometimes it takes a whole lifetime to journey through and get to the point where you realize God wants to break through in this area and you can receive that. And next week is another area that God wants to break through in your life. Amen. May you stand to your feet this morning. He is a good God. He is for you. He's given you everything that you need. He paid the ultimate price so that nothing would ever need to be paid again. Amen. Amen. We love you, God. Help us in our understanding to realize what you've done, to realize what we can claim, to realize what we can create with our life. Thank you for your goodness. You're so for us. You're so behind us. You're so championing us on. And you don't have to. But you do. Your nature is amazing. We love it. We love you, God. We serve you every day of our lives, God. Help us in our struggles. Help us to overcome. Help us to rise above and sit with you in heavenly places. We thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, we love our family. We love our church. Lord, we're just, just a good place and a good timing in our life, a good season for a great breakthroughs. We love you. We bless you. In Jesus' name. Amen. We're well, going to have a great week. If you don't need to rush off, don't rush off. The kids will.
bringing something special out for us. Grab a cup of coffee and we'll see you next week.